Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, all right. The weather dominated the pregame chat, but when push came to shove, the boys got the job done. Not one, but two set-piece goals and a heroic super sub intervention by Christian Pulisic. I'm Heath Pierce alongside your favorite, or your other favorite, former men's national team player, Jimmy Conrad, and the Stars and Stripes are one step closer to clinching a World Cup berth. The Kegel Lasso USA versus Honduras recap begins right now. Now, everybody, you know the drill. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to this in podcast form, Kegel Lasso needs your help to grow. So like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and get busy in the comment section. We always want to hear from you. Make this a two-way conversation. We're not talking at you. We're talking with you. And for those of you listening to audio only, please make sure you follow Kay Galasso wherever you get your podcasts. And take a minute to leave a rating and a review. Every little bit helps. Jimmy Conrad, what is going on, man? You were hyped. USA! 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 You, of course I'm hyped. It was a badly needed win for the boys. Against a badly team. Against a badly team. Very true. And... We scored on a set piece, Heath. I said on the podcast in the preview, I had a couple mm-hmm. goals for yep. the team. It was to score in the first half and to score on a set piece. And they did both at the same time in the seventh minute. Weston McKinney, thank you very much. But Kellen Acosta dropping in dimes after there was a lot of criticism of Christian Pulisic for taking bad set pieces. And guess what? Acosta stepped up. Pulisic didn't even start. I don't even know where you want to get started in this game. But maybe, maybe the big conversation piece, Heath, is Christian Pulisic. Is he better for us as a sub than he is as a starter? Whoa, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. What are you saying, Heath Pierce? Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's certainly an argument to it. I don't think permanently, but I do think that there is a, when the time is right, to use him when you need to use him. Obviously, over three three windows, you have the perfect, or three match days, you have the perfect opportunity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. sub him out or manage his minutes and not start him every game, but... I do like the super sub route. I think he's too good to not because when you saw him on the field, you saw the danger he creates when he's in form. I think we need to do whatever it takes to get him back into peak form because when he's in peak form, make him a starter. But if he's not in top form, then we shouldn't be afraid to put him on the bench sometime. It's, it's, what's crazy to me is that we actually have the depth to be able to put him on the bench. Now, again, the caveat around this whole game is that Honduras is not a very good team. So all that has to be taken into consideration. But the guys still have to go out there. We played in these games too where the opponent wasn't great. But you still have to go out there and perform. Because the argument, the counter argument to this is, if you can't perform against a bad team, they're not going to trust you to play against a good one. Mm-hmm. So, so the De La Torres, who got his first uh, World Cup qualifying start, Reggie Cannon, nice to see him getting an appearance for the team on the right side. Jordan Morris getting the start. Seven changes to this lineup, Heath Pierce. That not, felt you, like I know a you lot. don't like that, Jimmy. I know you don't like. I don't. You don't like I that don't in changes. general. I don't in general, but it felt like it was needed, and I'm glad that Greg had the Greg Berhalter, that is, for everybody just joining us, Greg Berhalter, the manager of the national team, making that decision and, and giving some guys chances to prove themselves. Because when I hearken back to World Cup qualifying campaigns, sometimes managers of, of the previous iterations of this would stick with the same guys over and over. And we saw yeah. it when we didn't qualify for the World Cup in 2018. The same team that beat Panama 4-0 in Orlando was the same exact, exact team 
that Bruce elected to start in Trinidad and didn't work out for us. Sometimes you need a little bit of new blood. Guys that can see it know that they got a little hunger to it. And I thought those were some good changes. Some of them kind of bold, leaving Pulisic and, and Aronson on the bench. I thought was pretty bold. But uh, great performance by the guys. Scoring the early goal, I think, took a lot of pressure off of us. Do you think the result vindicated uh, the decision to play in St. Paul? I mean, it just seems – I mean, we're obviously seeing reports starting to come no. out of two, two, if not more, Hondurans no. um, uh, needing IVs for hypothermia. Do you think about the performance that we had there against this team? And look, Honduras were very bad. They were poor. They weren't organized. They didn't know how to press. There was gaps everywhere. There was free passes everywhere, between the lines, behind the lines, everywhere, right? The U.S. knew that from the very, very start and capitalized on that, which, which I think uh, all due respect to the U.S. team. However, I, it makes me think about what if they played this in Florida or Arizona or California or somewhere where, okay, perhaps there are some Honduran fans, but you're telling me that that Honduran side against the U.S., the U.S. couldn't put up more th- more than three goals where the pitches and the conditions are normal. You don't, I mean, I would, I would expect I think, an even more dominant performance. Yeah. I mean, the longer that game went zero zero, that the more we were all going to get nervous and the players would have got maybe a little anxious and tense as well, knowing that they were the better team. So scoring first, no matter if we scored that in minus 12 degrees or whatever with the wind chill or, or down in Florida where it's nice and balmy right now, or California or wherever they, else they wanted to play this game wouldn't have changed what you're saying. We score in that first 10 minutes and now we're in complete control. Maybe the counter for that from a Honduran perspective is if we had played in a different climate, maybe we could have kept that game a little bit longer at zero zero, but they were already a train wreck coming into this game. Now the hypothermia stuff is very scary. And I think should be taken into account that they should never consider doing this again. It's just not safe for the players. It's not safe for the fans. It's not safe for anybody. It's just not safe. And so, yeah, it might've sounded cheeky when they thought about it, when they were planning the schedule, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't so cheeky. I think when they got executed, that said, the players went out there and put out a performance that we needed if we're just focusing on the 90 minutes. And I'm thankful for that because now I feel like we're only three points away from qualifying for the World Cup. Well, let me ask you this then, Jimmy. If it was against another opponent, say Mexico, would you be more open to a St. Paul match? I mean, you know, considering it's Honduras, I expect us. It's a home game. I expect us to win that game regardless of where you played that, right? But if it was somebody else, do you see the advantage there of the thinking? Or is it just... I mean, St. Paul's just an extreme decision compared to a Columbus or a Cincinnati or, you know somewhere else well, uh, and having said that we saw the snow game in in, in um snow classico and in, in uh denver back Costa in the day so there's yeah, been some, yeah. yeah there's been some of those decision decisions to create a home field environment obviously you know the weather plays a role into that but this this seemed a bit over the top extreme it was extreme and and you know i know the canada tried to do the same thing to mexico as well and it worked to great effect they got the result that they were looking for and i think at the end of the day i assume u.s soccer the coaching staff yeah, that sucks. You know, we don't want anybody to get hurt or or anything like that. But we got the result that we were looking for. And in some ways, this probably validates their decision to put it in a cold market. I don't want to see it again, you know, unless we're preparing for a World Cup in Antarctica or something. I, I uh, just don't think it's necessary. Of course, global warming means there probably won't be any Antarctica here in the 20, 30 years. Conversation for well, another time. Well, but here's, but, here's, but job, job done. Three points. Yeah, job done. And, and very, very close. Obviously, I think we're at 99. I think the odds were, were going into this game at like 99 point something percent that the U.S. or 98 percent the U.S. qualifies for the World Cup. I think we're even closer to that now. Obviously, uh, it's not uh, you don't have to be rocket scientist to understand what we what that means on the, on the points front. But, Jimmy, you mentioned seven changes and changes are necessary at times. Some of those were for injuries. Some of those were squad rotation. Luca De, De La Torre, an example of that. Um do you think we're closer to an 11 now or do you think we're further away now that we've 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 seen a performance Ooh, like this? One of the question. better performances, I think. Again, it's so hard to take this into consideration because the courage and the fight and all those things that just go, where is that when we are when when we're playing away? 
where is that fight and that scrap yeah. and that courage when we're playing against an opponent like Canada, where you're playing in Canada and yes, you know, it's, it's, it's away from home, but you should be able to rise to that a challenge. Where is that fighting spirit? And, it does, and why does it just show up against a Honduras at home or a Jamaica at home where you know that you're going to dominate the run of play? Where is that when it's difficult times, right? Not just in the good times where it's convenient. No, I would say that I think some things get solved for me in some ways. Maybe maybe they're inching closer to being solved, not only in my mind, but also in Greg Berhalter's mind. And maybe the team can see it as well. It feels like the best pairing for our center backs is Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. They just seem to have a nice rapport with each other. If Chris Richards steps up, I think Walker Zimmerman is the one that that makes the difference. Not only him scoring tonight and being the emotional and leader and the captain, but but also I just think we lacked what he brought he brings to the table against Canada, which was some some organization, some some leadership, especially when things aren't going well. How quickly and I say this when I coach, and I'm sure you do it as well. When we lose the ball, when things start to get chaotic, how quickly can we get back? under control how quickly can we get organized again so we can reset and play from there and i felt like we never really found that rhythm and that's probably more due to what canada brings to the table and us not being able to solve problems quickly yeah. during that game or playing safe when we should have been playing forward but that's it that we can get back into that game or maybe never at this point this is before we're right Heath pierce but yeah. but but i think that got solidified for me that walker zimmerman's become a very important cog to the back line in particular uh, Reggie Cannon, I thought was nice and solid. Didn't didn't uh, take too many risks there. So I thought that's a performance that, to your point now, uh, maybe is he the number two to yet to Dest? Is he you know can we spot start him based on who the opponent is? I like De La Torre a lot. I thought what I really liked about De La Torre that maybe Musa, well I like Musa a lot too. This is a tough one, but De La Torre, he, he I like when he went wide and sometimes he went a little bit wider than I think Musa does to create those triangles in a little bit more of a possession based way because we know that Yunus Musa who we both adore, likes to get the ball and kind of run with it a lot. He likes to break the lines with his running. And not to say that De La Torre can't do that, but I just think he's looking for the game in a different way. And if you know you're going to have a lot of possession against a particular team, De La Torre could be a good option. And if I'm John Luca Busio right now, I'd be so bummed that I didn't get called into this because this could have been his starting spot if he had been around and available for this one. So... Well, that's, that's, that's it, 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 but it, everything else. This I don't is, know. By the way, this is the this is the whole Musa uh, Musa argument is the same as with Zimmerman. Zimmerman came in with because of um, Tim Ream. Tim Ream hasn't been called in since. Right. Right. Like it, there, there's been a, a, a pure replacement for that. So it kind of John Brooks Latoria, as well, right? You know, yeah, John Brooks as well. And you look at uh, Busio, same thing. COVID keeps him back, and now all of a sudden, you know, you got somebody kind of knocking on the door for your spot. But I like that level of competition. I like the type of player that he is. He sure. seemed good on the fly, good in transition, really opened up the game for us, made some really, really good decisions. Um, but overall, uh, a really solid performance. I have to give credit to this group. I know that they were playing against a subpar team and in and, and subpar conditions, but they found a way to get it done. First half especially, very convincing, very mm -hmm. dominant. Second half was a little bit scrappier and uglier and just sort of not a lot of rhythm to it. But that's how it is in some of those games. And Honduras, who are looking more and more exposed, I think the U.S. did a good job of capitalizing on that, uh, on, on just the vulnerabilities of the team. Jimmy, sure, do you I, think? By the, by the way, let me let me ask you this: uh, set pieces. Is it worth, uh, you know, uh, is it worth having Kellen Acosta on the field because of his quality of set pieces? Because you've obviously seen we need to find a way to, to win games, or maybe he's even a sub where you need to find a way to win games and get results, even if you're not playing well. And set pieces is a, is, a, is a major way to do that. Is he somebody that moves up your ranking in terms of finding a place for him on the field, or at least circumstantially a place for him on, on the field, even if it's a, a substitution? Yeah, that's a great question, Heath. I think that it feels more circumstantially. Again, the marking, if we look at it from a defensive perspective, 
the marking by Honduras was what's the word I'm looking for? Shambolic on set pieces. So again, you just have to take it with a little bit of grain of salt that this Honduran team is all over the place. There's a lot of finger pointing people, not maybe doing what they should have or what the, whatever the responsibilities were. So as much as I appreciate that we finally scored on a set piece and we, we made it three set piece goals ultimately today, Kellen, it feel more circumstantial that I, I I'm still with Tyler Adams my only concern with Tyler Adams is is sometimes, and I remember Michael Bradley doing this. He tried to do too much. He, he tried also to be, gets hurt a lot. He does, so that 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 fits in well for Kellen Acosta. I think it was an important game for Acosta in general because it allowed him to be the guy. There was no, you know, it wasn't like uh, him or Adams. Adams was out, so he could be the guy and almost relax in some ways when you don't have that kind of pressure over your shoulder. And and he needed a good performance to kind of maybe win back. Not maybe I don't mean I think the team trusts him inherently, or uh, but 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 the fans, you know, to think, hey, this is a guy we can trust and rely on. So I thought Acosta put in a good performance. A lot of guys did. And, and Weston McKinney, you brought him up on HQ. I thought he was really solid. And every time I saw him step up and get the ball, he he was in pockets of space. I'm like, I wonder if Christian Pulisic, because I think this is going to be the big conversation piece for our, our recap here, but. Does Weston McKinney pick up the ball a little bit more and have space to run into because Pulisic isn't standing or Brendan Aronson aren't standing in the same spaces that he'd like to run into because those guys are tucking in instead of going out wide? I just felt like he was picking up the ball and running. And, and not that he doesn't do that before. Maybe I'm trying to look into something that doesn't exist. But no, but he was certainly more intentional. Like He was. He it wasn't. Did, he it, it, I felt like there was something um, there. With, with his movement, every time he came into a space, it was because he, he knew where the answer was out of another place. It wasn't just to get the ball and get his touches mm-hmm, and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Which I saw against Canada. This was much more intentional. It had a purpose to everything. And, and that purpose, obviously, again, you're playing against a team that's all spread out. And so the switches of play, the combination play, all those things could happen a little bit slower and you can get away with a little bit more. But it just seemed like he had some intention in, in, in everything that he was doing, which, like I, like I said, the thing about Weston McKinney that, that always drives me crazy is he kind of drinks his own Kool-Aid at times where he, he has a bad performance, mm-hmm. he works hard, he grinds hard, he has a good performance, he has a good performance, he get, kind of drinks his own Kool-Aid and then he has a bad performance. And and not a bad, and I don't mean good, bad, good, bad, but like the level that you see him when he's good, he's not always at. And I would love to see him find that consistency at that level because if he does, then he's certainly one of our best three players all the time. But right now, right, he's one right. of our best three. And then you're like, ah, eh, you know, kind of indifferent, and then best three, and then different. I'd like to just see right. a little bit more of that consistency from him. No, I, I'm with you on that, and and I'm hopeful that this is a step, continued step in the right direction. He has been in great form for both club and country. And I'm excited to see how he continues to flourish and, and take on more responsibility. It's interesting. I also want to bring up Timo Weah. I thought he was excellent. I think that he provides a different look for us in a way that that an Aronson or maybe potentially even a Gio Reyna doesn't. I think he likes to get in behind. He can stretch the defense in a way that, that maybe some of our other players can't and do it consistently. And he gets to the end line a lot. You know, whether yeah. he's driving at guys or whipping balls in. Well, this is my thing, Jimmy. He, is he draws a lot of corner kicks. He draws a lot does. of free kicks. He gets he in these does. spaces. But he if does. you don't have, if, if Christian Pulisic is taking them, and we've seen how poor those have been, and other players take them, we've seen how poor those have been. It's rarely getting past the first man, really whipping it in, rarely whipping it in with pace, and all the things that make set pieces so dangerous. We haven't had that. So when a team away draws you something and creates an advantage for you, do we have the quality now? One, obviously, his run of play, his crosses, things like that are great because it just stretches teams, but also that set piece side, which is great. No, it's 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 true. I like Timo Way. I think he is another one. Like as I mentioned about Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman starting to really feel like they're they're owning that spot together. 
Team Away is starting to continue to emerge, I feel like, game by game. And, and because it's very similar to Walker Zimmerman, because they didn't play against Canada, you get to see him play today, and you're like, that's why we love this guy. That's why Team Away is so important to our team. That's why Walker Zimmerman is so important to our team. And I think that just strengthened their cause to be included in the 11 moving forward. So Team Away is another one. Ricardo Pepe, kind of quiet today. I feel like once he got hit in the face, everybody that's watching or listening, he seemed to not necessarily shirk responsibility, but he just sometimes it gets you out of your head a little bit. Maybe you lose a little bit of that focus when, when you get hit. Get, when it's Mike Tyson, the famous quote. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And, and Ricardo Pepe took one right to the right to the kisser you know, relatively early. And I just don't feel like we saw a lot of him. I like Jordan Morris, though. I thought he was active. I thought he was busy. But I will say this, and this is something that I, I wish we could see this lineup against Canada. I just want to see De La Torre against a team that's a lot more organized. And, and can he mm-hmm. help us spring the attack from there? I want to see Reggie Cannon have to defend Tejon Buchanan or eventually Afonso Davies. You know, I want to see, you know, I, I wanted to see Jordan Moore. Well, he did play against Canada, but but team away against Canada. I just want to see more of that. And I wish, not that, not that I wanted Honduras to be harder because I wanted to get all three points, but it's hard to know for sure. And I guess this gets back to your, your original question, Heath. Has this opened up more possibilities for our starting 11 as opposed to solidifying it. And I think Timo Wan in particular and Walker Zimmerman have done a lot better because they, were, they weren't uh, around for the Canada game. This makes you really appreciate their value and what they do bring to the table. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the fact that we've seen a little bit more of a sample size, it's really hard to judge it off of this game, right? Luca De La Torre, it's hard to see, like if you went down the line of any player, right? Other than Jordan Morris, who I thought for the first 40 or so, 45 minutes, struggled to to just find the game, not because of anything mm-hmm. he wasn't doing, but the ball just wasn't going to him in spots that we you want him to get the ball, right? There was a couple moments that he had, but outside of that, most of it was coming up the right side through Weya. You saw McKinney coming up through the middle, mm-hmm. balls connecting through Pepe. He just wasn't as active. So you go, oh, okay, yeah, it wasn't that great of a performance, but it was just the way the game played out. It wasn't a poor performance. If you went like that across the board, you wouldn't find a single player that had a bad game or a poor game or was yeah, off true, true. in any way, shape, or form. Reggie Cannon, same thing. Mostly in offensive positions, just overlapping to create space for Tim Weah, who was having a good game. Wasn't really doing much other than connecting the passes and doing all the all the little things well. And so it's hard to judge a game like this because we weren't pushed back. We weren't pinned back. There was no counterattacks. There was no dangerous moments. There was nothing for us to judge and say, hey, how does this team respond? Okay, bad turnover. How do we react? How do we, like you said, get into defensive positions? How are we pressing as a team? Uh, against a team that can build up well or break lines of of, of, of pressure through passing or dribbling uh, that you're going to get against the Canada, that you're going to get against the Mexico, that you're going to get mm-hmm. against teams that go to a World Cup. It's tough to judge that right now. So I'm not sure if we, like I said, I think the things you get closer to in a starting lineup, I agree with you that it's going to be your Zimmermans. It's going to be your your uh, team of ways, at least circumstantially against teams that are going to sit back. You have somebody that runs the, runs the touch lines and whipping balls in that creates a little bit of something different again i don't think team away is the answer always but in the right circumstances against teams that are going to play us like that for sure yeah well apparently ricardo pepe broke his nose on that particular play that's news to me so hopefully he does okay and i think anything could have broke your nose at that point because it's so goddamn cold now big ugly jim says Gio reyna to midfield when he comes back and you keep way and pulisic out wide well big handsome jim right here big ugly jim says that i like that idea a lot but to heath's point I do think it could be matchup based, based on our strengths and weaknesses, where we think we're going to pick up the ball, how we're going to hold the ball, and which uh, collection of players is going to be the best fit moving forward, which obviously is what Greg gets paid the big bucks to figure out. I do like Timo Weah a lot more. I starting, I think he's starting to become more and more of a lockdown favorite for us to start because he does provide a couple different things. And if he's confident, 
we definitely see a much better version, like any player, uh, of Team Away when that makes But Gio Reyna coming back, what are your thoughts on that, Keith? Would you slot him a little bit more central? And if you do, that means you have to sacrifice potentially a Musa because I feel like McKinney is another one that's automatic starter. Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I mean, that's a good problem to have. Again, I've, I've yet to that's see right. Reyna play consistently with a striker that we want. We don't know what striker we want, right? We've seen Ferreira show flashes. We've seen Ricardo Pepe. We, I like when he's on the field. We've seen him play uh, in the past with Zardes or or whoever, whoever. or we've seen Zardes up there. We've seen, you know, Jordan Pifak. We've seen Daryl DK. We've seen Josh Sargent more often than not with, with – um, with a player like Reyna on the field. And so I've yet to see him play with somebody that's more technical mm -hmm. and how does he fit into the team and how does he combine and where does he create the threats? Because Gio Reyna is also not a great defender. He doesn't like to track back. He likes to stay forward more. He'll put in the shift, but he's not going to be like your Brendan Aronson type or even a team away. That's going to really, really put that pressure on players and transition and things like that. So he brings a different type of game uh, to this national team. It's tough to say who's going to be sacrificed in the team. I mean, you go again, you go back a month ago and I'm like, dude, you got to start Brendan Aronson for every single game because he's the one. And obviously he's the only one now who's played all 11 qualifiers because he's important to the team in so many different aspects, but he was a sure starter to me. Now I'm like, okay, Timothy way has now proven something. And so everything happens so quickly and it's so fluid. It's tough to really see uh, who's going to be um, fitting into this starting lineup. And there you go. There's the picture from R Ricardo Pepe posting broken nose. I mean, that was really early on. And we actually, I mean on, on HQ, Jimmy, we had uh, Christina uncle or actually it wasn't on HQ. It was on the broadcast when they talked about how the, you know, the assistant referee should have been able to go back and review that seeing that there was a, a swung or like a wild arm that went into Ricardo Pepe's nose, which obviously affected his ability to play the rest of the game. Let's be honest. That's a badge of honor. Brian McBride would be so proud of <laughs> Brian Ching, yeah. Taylor Twelman, who, uh, it's a who else? Anybody else? Yeah. yeah, it's a rite of passage to be a number nine. Josie Altador, I'm sure they all have had broken noses uh, along the way. So did you, Jimmy? Yeah. Welcome to the, welcome to the club. Ricardo. Of course, then I had concussions and I broke my jaw twice. A whole bunch of different stuff happening in this grill. Thankfully I've kind of kept it, somewhat yeah. organized so uh gordo says credit to peppy for playing through that that's a that's a great shout and obviously it does play with your mind when you go up for headers you're probably a little bit more reluctant because you don't want to get hit again in the face especially when it's as cold as it was yeah my big question for everybody listening if, if you're just listening in on, on a podcast hit us up at kegolasso pod on twitter let us know your thoughts this could be a day later doesn't matter but if you're watching on youtube do you think christian pulisic should start against mexico in Mexico City the next time we reconvene as a team, given yes. what you've seen now in his performance. Now, a lot can change over the month, but you just say unequivocally yes. Yeah, I just I just think that he's the type of player. When I Again, when I see him in that small sample size of, what, 27 minutes that he played tonight, I just see that willingness to get his confidence back, right? And these are the ones where you can build your confidence in a game like against Honduras. And so mm -hmm. if you can have that type of mentality, right, his body language looked different and getting that goal was such a huge thing for his confidence and and what he's going through right now. And so wait, wait, pause, 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 pause. Yeah. Pause before you go any step further. I do yeah. actually have to ask. I was pretty pissed at Greg Berhalter for rolling him mm. out as a super sub. This guy is known to be injury prone. It's oh yeah, I old. You didn't need it. I was it. like, you what didn't need it? You're we didn't need now. it. We were in complete control of the game. We're up 2-0. Why risk it? And then he brought on Aronson. I felt the same way, even though Pulisic could score. I'm like, what what are we doing? Roll out Zardes or or Ariola or one of those guys, let them see the game out. Why risk these guys getting injured? But clearly Greg is smarter than me because Pulisic scored and he needed some confidence and, and he got it. 
So go ahead and continue. Lot, but uh, Jimmy, there's a, there's a lot of people screaming for the Pulisic super sub. Look, if I, I think if we see performances at Chelsea, whether he's coming, if he's playing and he's coming off the bench for Chelsea and he's got that positive energy where he wants to go forward, he wants to run at players. You know, they hacked him from the first moment and he still stayed involved. I know. Again, I agree I with like, you. I, I don't. That gave me the whole thing. I was like, why are we? They're going to crush him. They're going to crush his little yeah. soul. And and thankfully yeah. he scored, but still, I mean, he's getting fouled five seconds in. I was like, what? That's like makes it even more yeah. worse of a decision. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we needed him on the field. Um, but it's probably one of those ones where you got to protect a player from himself because obviously he wants to be on the field. And maybe you should just say, hey, we've got this sort of game in the bag. But look, I mean, they they there was never really a threat from Honduras. But say there was, I mean, he brought the dagger right away on the second touch by scoring that true, goal. And true, again, true. I think it's a big confidence builder. He came out of that unscathed, uninjured, and now he has a goal to his name there. Again, that one being a a super sub. As well, and by the way, if you're 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 watching this live right now, uh, we're seeing uh, Canada has just scored against El Salvador. If you listen to this in podcast form, we apologize uh, if you were trying to watch all the Concacaf games and yes, reruns. Spoiler form. alert! Uh, yeah, spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, I look if, if if I see that kind of energy, whether he's playing ten minutes or twenty minutes a game for Chelsea, I still think that he, you want him uh, as a gamer against Mexico. But if not, then yeah, you bring him on the bench because that's where he's building okay. his confidence. You create a little, you create a little controlled uh, environment for him to, to do his best. What do you think? All right. I saw Chris Donahue in the chat. Shout out to Chris. He's one of the founders of the American Outlaws and uh, always great to see you. He said big games, big names. So he mm. wants to see Pulisic start against Mexico. But the last time we played against Mexico in a World Cup qualifier, Pulisic did not start and he came on. It was an excellent super sub and scored oh, yeah. the game Beautiful winner in that one. So I'm just saying we already have a sample size. We have some evidence of him being very threatening as a super sub against our biggest rivals. So yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Listen, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I listen, don't disagree. I just think, you know, again, when I see the energy that he has, I get really excited. You know, I saw the energy I do that too. I'm like, oh, I, I do put too. him on the field, but like you also, yeah, I, you know, there's, there's an argument. Well, let's go through I, your, you know your player ratings then, Jimmy. Well, no, before we get there, I just want to say we have a month before we, they reconvene for these games. March 24th is a game. That's a long time. And a lot can happen. And also, if he starts blowing up for Chelsea, I mean, he's going to be a, a no-brainer starter. But, but if yeah. he's kind of in the spot he is now, I mean, Chelsea was looking at Ushman Dembele. In this January transfer, I'm like, if they get Dembele, what what does that mean for Pulisic's future? I, I don't I well, don't really know. Anyway, over. I think that'll save it for the summer, obviously. But but if he's not going to be involved in the plans or he's not going to be used in a really meaningful way, not getting those minutes that we all want him to get, well, I think he'll himself, leave in the summer. I think there's I think there's he will too. Now now the big question is where does he go? I mean, we're gonna have plenty right. of time to talk about that. But uh, yeah, well, crazy, well, crazy, then, crazy, uh, crazy. With regard to this game, then give me your player ratings. Um, I, I don't need all of them because I know they're going to fall somewhere in the seven, seven to nine range. But like, is there anybody that that overperformed or underperformed or somebody, you know, we talked a little bit about Zimmerman uh, solidifying himself even more, Weston McKinney uh, in the context of this game. Who was your other one that you said, um, you know, bought themselves? A, a, a I thought Timo Weah was good. Yeah. I thought Matt Turner, I, I, I can I give him a no rating? Because he didn't have to do anything. You just had to sit there and I he bet you he cold. was freezing. He uh, I, I thought Anthony Robinson was actually pretty disciplined in his position i didn't feel like mm -hmm. he was getting out of control or or there was a few early moments in the first half risk. when they, when honduras got further in the box that he looked a little bit out of sorts in terms of do i press mm -hmm. do i drop and if honduras had a little more clever movement uh they could have gotten something out of that but i but other than that i thought he was pretty solid as well yeah he's um, solid right like like a six you know six yeah. or seven uh i thought zimmerman would probably go up to an eight because of his leadership ability and you know you have kyoto and albert elise who are really really dangerous players and they were pretty much yeah. non-existent the whole game I mean, they, so looked they looked out they looked they, looked, they, they did looked, they looked i'd say out. miles uh, you know miles who's your, who's nice your man of the match then 
Oh man, I I I mean Kellen Acosta <laughs> I think deserves a shout for for setting up the set pieces, right? I thought Timo Weah was good. And Weston McKinney probably deserves a shout because he's the one that really unlocked all the early pressure, didn't actually make us feel any pressure because we scored so early. I like Zimmerman, you know, center back looking at a center back. There's a couple options there. I don't know. What does everybody else think? I could I can make a, a strong argument for for probably Acosta, McKinney, Weah, and Zimmerman, I think would be the four that I would be looking yeah. at. De La Torre, I thought was quietly solid too. I was actually pretty impressed with just the way he found pockets of space. And w- when the game looks easy, it's because these guys are making hard things look easy, you know, and and mm-hmm. I really appreciated the, the guys that maybe were doing a little bit more of the thankless work and, and helping the, the team move <laughs> forward. I will say, though, as a as a because we were so excited, we got set piece goals. Are you concerned at all because there was so much space between the Honduran lines that we didn't score a goal in the run of play? Yeah, of course. I mean, there was opportunities and 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 you could see momentum and swings where you could see a buildup happening. And you think a goal in the run of play could come of it <clears throat> on one hand we're like hey find a way to win by any means necessary we win by set pieces we're like but is that good enough you know <laughs> like we're obviously never satisfied in the way that this team needs to be able to find ways to win games right, obviously right the circumstances change you don't necessarily need a, a, a goal in the run of play when you've gotten two from set pieces um or then the third with with Pulisic from set pieces well, so I, it is it wanna, is worrisome okay, though go ahead. keep going no i was just saying do you want to do well who's your who's your player of the match i'm gonna go with um Man, I mean, the shout now, as people were saying, Kellen Acosta, just because of the danger of those balls and putting him in those positions that mm-hmm. really gave the team the win. Um, I, I, there is a shout for that, but I'm going to go with Weston McKinney just because I think that he set the tone. It was The header Good that shout. he scored was fantastic. It was a top-level header, header. His timing, his contact on the ball, just the power that he he redelivered it, he, he redirected it. He's and clutch, man. We talked about the things he's got that the, he was he's doing. He's got the clutch team. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hope that he keeps that even keel from here, um, which I don't think he will. But, uh, you know, like uh, it'll take him another game where I think he'll drink his own Kool-Aid to get a bit and kind of have <laughs> no. those high highs and lows. I, I, I worry about that. Not going him, to man. Mexico, just, though. I think I think he'll be properly motivated to go down to Mexico City and get a result. So I'm not too worried about that one. If we had had, let's say, a, maybe Panama, the next one where, OK, we <clears> should beat them if we're on our game. I could see him maybe falling back into that Kool-Aid drinking, but because it's Mexico, I just I think it's a gr- different gravy for that particular game. All right, that's fair. Um, well, look, but, but I'm gonna, being. Gonna take a quick break. Uh, yeah, we're being hopeful. Well, I'm going to take. We're going to take a quick, quick break, Jimmy. When, when we come back, we got lots more to talk about. So stay right there. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, everyone. Uh, we are back. Hey, listen, Mexico and Panama are lock, locking horns right now as we speak. And we've discussed previously the result of that game will have major implications for the U.S. men's national team. So tomorrow, with the benefit of a night's sleep, to gather our thoughts, Jimmy and I will reflect on the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying window as a whole. We'll reflect it. Sometimes... It's nice to take I a like big, reflecting. Uh, picture look at a window. Um, and sometimes uh, 12 or 24 hours is enough time. Sometimes it's not. But we're going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> it's a video exclusive, so keep your eyes peeled on the Kegelasso YouTube channel for that. Now, Jimmy, uh, talking a little bit about Costa Rica versus Jamaica. Obviously, Costa Rica get the goal from Joel Campbell, a name that we've been hearing for well over a decade yes. now. Uh, Kayla yes. Navas was uh, unbelievable, which we talked about. And, and you had mentioned when I was saying, yeah, but Jamaica, they've got um, – They've got uh, Mikel Antonio. You're Mikel like, yeah, Antonio. Costa Rica. They've got Kaylor Navas. And obviously, Kaylor Navas came to the rescue and kept them into the game. Uh, Andre Blake saved a penalty. Uh, and then moments later, obviously, Joel Campbell scores to give him the 1-0. Keeps Costa Rica's hopes alive, albeit uh, smaller, but still alive to get a win against Jamaica, officially knocking Jamaica out of contention for the World Cup. Um, what, what are your thoughts um, on, on this game and, and obviously Costa Rica's chances of, 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 of that sliver of hope of, of slipping into that fourth position? Well, I think everything's riding on this Mexico-Panama result, which is currently 0-0 in the 30th minute in Mexico City. I think Panama, as I mentioned in the preview, probably just going for a draw, but already got a couple shots on goal. So maybe showing a little bit of uh, poking and prodding to see if they can get anything and maybe nick a goal very similar to what Costa Rica did. Costa Rica now on 16 points. Panama is 17, so it can all be flipped around pretty quickly. I'm curious to see how Panama responds because they knew the result before kickoff. So I'm curious as to how they're going to approach this game. And if they took any more risks to try to get the full three points to continue to have that gap over the Ticos. But I actually want to focus on Jamaica. They have so much talent and they have Mm -hmm. always had a great collection of talent. And we can see it every time we play Jamaica, like, why aren't those guys better? And it wasn't due to anything individual. It just felt like collectively they were always lacking something. It took a long time, though, to get their team going. They went through all that it stuff. Did, the players did. didn't travel. And then I by know. that time, they were already up against it. And uh, they were they were chasing so it by the time them. they had a team put together. Yeah. Ah, uh, I want to see the reggae boys. I mean, the spirit and enthusiasm that they have when they play. And the country just would just be so alive if they made the World Cup. So I'm really disappointed that uh, they're not in contention at the very least and that their their journey's already over with three games left to play. So we'll see how they approach those last three. But uh, yeah, disappointed for them. Obviously, some some special players there. We'll see how they respond moving forward. But uh, the Ticos, you can't sleep on Keeler Navas, man. I mean, another 1-0 result for them. They've scored eight goals in 11 games, only given up seven in 11 games. It's just it's pretty remarkable. And Keeler Navas, as I mentioned, when he's between the sticks, you always feel like you have a chance. We've played like goalkeepers like that before. Tim Howard comes to mind that you know that that guy's behind you. And, and if you make a half mistake, he's going to save you. And, and I think he did it again tonight against Jamaica. And if if the Ticos do end up sneaking into that fourth spot for qualification, he's going to be the number one reason why. And for me, solidify why he might be the best player to ever come out of CONCACAF. Wow. That's a solid I, shout, by the way. I it think is. I mean, it a, is. It's, it's hard a, when you start to think about it. Shout. But, 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 I mean, he's but done he's, so you know, much Real at the club Madrid, level. He's PSG. Yeah, he's Champions League winner, things, multiple yeah. Champions League winner. Got PSG to the first Champions League final in their history. Yep. And he still doesn't, he's so still wildly underrated. Now, I'm sure Alfonso Davies and hopefully an American can supplant him as my top choice at some point. But uh, it's hard to go against Kaylor Navas as one of the best to come out of CONCACAF, if not the <clears> best. 
Well, I fully agree, Jimmy. And obviously, uh, to shift over to the to the Canada game, uh, this game's still running right now. Tiba Hutchinson scored the goal. I uh, haven't had a chance to see it, but I'm hearing it was a bit of a kind of uh, comical. comical goal. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, this one I think would secure the berth if they were to win this. And that would give – what Canada would come out of – what they won would this be nine points from this from this window did they draw their first one i mean what what was the they were Canada's first game canada played uh excuse me i can't i'm like blanking on nine that points well. I, so I think games. they were perfect though nine points uh in this window which is unbelievable to go nine yeah points they beat in the window, Co- especially that's right they um where is it yeah they beat honduras 2-0 in honduras. Oh, that's right that's right they scored on that yeah, own yeah, goal yeah. in the beginning of, uh from yeah, from right. uh, tejon buchanan yeah convincing result against the honduras and, and they haven't given up any goals either yeah. to us to honduras and currently to el salvador i mean that's just really speaks to how much quality they have on both sides of the ball so i mean if you were if you, you, you were them and you're looking at the if you're looking at this at the beginning of this window you're like six point seven points maybe you know but obviously the confidence right. they have they may have been saying nine points and we're in nine points and we're in this, you know this obviously is their you best take window. one game at a time but yeah this is their best window. Best they don't even have Alfonso Davies. Yeah. <laughs> that's, they're, that's not they're, fair. Uh, like Canada's cheating now. They're cheating. Their CNT uh, uh, podcast is talking about, is it better to bring Alfonso Davies off the bench? Is he our super sub the same way <laughs> that we're talking about Christian Pulisic? Because they don't need him. Nine points is perfect um, for them. Any final thoughts for you on, on, uh, on this uh, match day? Obviously, we're going to do a wrap-up of the entire window. There's still matches being played right now. But for the U.S. in, its, in itself – one of the questions that, that we talked about after the Canada game was, I was, you know, what's the identity? Or at least I was saying, like, what's the identity? What do they stand for? What's the character of this team? Like, what are the building blocks that they're building this foundation on? Do you think that we saw more of that, albeit against a weaker opponent? It just seemed much more convincing. And again, hard to judge. But but do you, I guess, are, are we better now than we were this morning? Yes, I think so, for sure. I think we demonstrated some mental fortitude. I know that you talked to some of the players prior and they seemed calm, even though they knew that it was a tense and anxious game and, and could add a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. not necessarily undue pressure, but pressure that, um, that they had to deal with and work through. And I thought they did it and, and scoring early. I think it makes such a big difference in the game. Canada has been doing that to great effect. I know it took them to the 68th minute to score against El Salvador tonight, but, but when you score early, it just changes your approach and it changes obviously the approach of the opponent and that was really important for us, especially because we haven't been scoring goals in the first half, which then continues to add a lot of pressure. So we got to relax and play a little bit. And I thought the guys did a great job of managing the game, right, Heath? Because we talk a lot about in-game management, or if we don't on camera, we talk about it off camera quite a bit. Some players and teams know how to manage a game and others don't. And I thought tonight we had a very professional performance. I thought it was very mature. I thought we handled ourselves very well despite the circumstances. And we did what we had to do. And I think that is a hallmark of a good team and long may that continue, especially into this next window so that we can qualify. Now, my final thoughts overall, I wanted seven points out of this. A nine was always a pipe dream. And to ask for nine is just ridiculous. I think well, I mean, you, you work towards it. Canada got nine. Well, fair play to them. But, but I well, thought on their seven way to was, getting nine at least seven, seven felt more realistic, but at the very least we had to get six. We had to win our home games. You and I both know that if you win your home games, you put yourself in a very good position to qualify for the World Cup because you're probably going to get a draw or two away from home, and that should be enough. We did what we had to do. Yes, there's still people that have a lot of questions that still need some answers. We're a part of that group as well. Maybe we don't have as many questions as others, but but we're there. And actually, one thing, and I want to get your final thoughts. It's probably might reopen everything back up. 
But what did you think about Greg Berhalter taking a selfie in the 82nd minute when the game was still on with some fans? Because I feel like if the John Herdman had done that in the Canada game, we would have been like, what the f- is this guy doing? How disrespectful is that to us that the coach thinks he can go take photos with the fans? And yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I know some people were talking about it as well in the chat. I mean, on one hand, it's pretty rad. Uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, like that level of confidence or, or swag, so to speak. On the other hand, you're like, dude, I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Yes, we're well up on them. Yes, it's a freezing conditions, but and there's a break in the, in the play right But to go around the corner, I don't know if they're fans. They could have been family. They could have been anybody. But yeah, to take a sure, picture but still, in the middle still, of the game, still. there's just sort of this breaking the fourth wall of like respect yeah. for the opponent, gamesmanship all these things that you're like capturing this moment uh, while, while others are, are, are obviously suffering, uh, I thought was a, a little bit out of touch. Now I, I'm, I'm obviously going to give him his opportunity to speak on it. I'm sure in the post game. Um, uh, I, I, listen, may have been I think you and I are both, it, but I just think it's disrespectful. If I was on the other it, side, dude, I'd be livid. If I saw that picture, I'd be, I'd be, livid, like, I'd be livid as well. Like, I mean, Highland I think Globe you trotters came into town and rolled their circus through and they're doing all, all their fun things. That's what it would feel like to me as a player on the other side. Listen, I think you and I, if we ever got into coaching in a, in a meaningful way, as, as personable as we are and as much media training and experience that we have, I don't even think we would do that. Even though we have that inclination, we would understand that it could go viral and people would talk about it or whatever. I don't even think we would do that because it disrespects the game. It disrespects – I can't believe he did it. I can't believe – I mean, yes, yeah. I want to hear what he has to say about it. But I, I, and then also, U.S. soccer is the one promoting it. Like, they, they put it out there. That that you know he makes time for the fans or whatever. I don't know if they should have done that either. I there's some decisions, you know. I don't know. Greg Berhalter seems this, this comment is great. Todd said uh, the dude sent Weston to Italy for being unprofessional, and that just felt again <laughs> time and place. Right, you're eight minutes off of being able to go and take that picture with that fan or your family or whoever that was. It just seemed like a bit of an odd time. Um, but you know, again, I want to hear his thoughts on what he thought about that because optically not a great look in terms of respect for the game and putting the game uh, above everything so this, else. I mean, and if, like, would you, would you do that fr- if it was zero, zero against Honduras? Probably. What not. if it was a friendly, you know, I mean, a friendly, you're like, yeah, friendly, fine. You know, it's a little bit friendly. This is a world cup, a must win. But what if it's zero, zero, Jimmy? What if it's zero, zero? What if it's zero, zero? There's no chance. Zero, zero, zero chance. Whatever. No, not in a, not in a hundred million years. Right. He'd be trying to figure out how he's going to solve problems. He'd be with his coaching staff. It's just, it's really, you know, what's interesting is it. It was really unlike Greg for to do that. He, he's like loosened up in a way that. Well, that's maybe why the I wanted, That's why. That's why I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe he wasn't it. wearing a hat. Maybe it was like he was getting hypothermia. I just don't understand what what his thought process was. And and it makes me go back to the Canada quotes afterwards that that was the most dominant performance that we've ever had away from home to never have get point. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. yeah. It's like two games in a row now. I'm like, what is he doing? And what is he saying? But. You know, it's it's getting us talking about him. So if that's if that's what he wants, he's getting it. Wow. Well, Jimmy, I don't have the answers <laughs> to that. Hopefully, he speaks on that soon. He seems pretty candid uh, at the moment in terms of answering questions or direct questions that we have because he's been in the firing range for a while. And I think he has. You know, we we hold this team to an extremely high standard because of the quality of players that they have, because of what we expect from the national team. I think over the last years, we've seen this team rise to the occasion of being fighters and showing that fighting spirit for the crest over everything. We've seen them go through the ebb and flow so far of this World Cup qualifying campaign. We know that we're a step closer to a World Cup. We still have a long ways to go in terms of performances, but credit when credit's due, it doesn't matter who they're playing against. They put together a comprehensive and convincing win against this uh, flattened and deflated Honduran side. And I think that deserves some credit. 
It does, 100%. So I'm glad we got to hang out and talk about it, Heath. Along with yeah. our amazing community, thank you guys so much for the support. We appreciate you. Yes, of course. And that brings it into our January, Jan, Jan, I almost said transfer window, but our January World Cup qualifying window. Obviously, there's still a few games remaining in terms of uh, minutes left uh, in this in this. Uh, we're covering window. that tomorrow, Heath. Yeah, we're covering that tomorrow. But make sure you're following Kegel Also Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever platform you choose to listen to your audio and leave us a rating and a review. We just gave you a free podcast and uh, the least you can do is show some love. We show you guys do some it. love and show some love. We, do we it. just become do it. big, do huge it. family. And on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and ring that notification bell. And of course, as usual for myself, Jimmy Conrad, Des Norris, and everybody that contributes to the K. Golasso podcast, we thank you and we will see you guys soon. Later! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.